Welcome to the Lamp Post. Okay, so this week we are talking about AI. The first question I have for you is where do you think AI will be in five or 10 years? What do you think the trajectory of development will be? And just how do you think it's going to impact humanity in general? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough question that uh, I feel like we all want to know <laughs> the answer to. <laughs> I, uh, I've been somewhat conservative with my estimates recently i guess since ai has come out like i i really did not see that the boom with image image uh creation it's gotten so good so fast and it's it's been pretty mind-blowing um so it's really hard to to estimate where it'll be in five and ten years um where i've seen it most or where, where I could see it improving most, at least in my daily life is so I, I'm a web developer. Um, and I use, there's this piece of software called copilot that it's just a little like assistant that sits in your, um, text editor, your code editor that will just automatically finish lines depending on what it thinks you're trying to do. So I, I could just like start writing, writing a line or even just write the comment for the code be like, sort through this list of items and pull out the IDs and then it'll just like write the code instantly. Oh, wow. Um, so I think what's next in terms of uh, my life is uh, I expect that to improve pretty dramatically. I don't... So a lot of programmers are pretty worried about their careers uh, and if AI is going to get to the point where you could just tell it a whole problem that you have, like create this app. Mm -hmm. I'm a little skeptical that it'll be that good that fast. Um, but I was pretty wrong with, uh, the image recognition stuff and how fast that improved. So I, I it's very possible that I'd give it like 10 years to where it, it might replace a programmer i mean definitely nowadays it can replace someone that's like brand new at programming or that has very little of experience um and it's super helpful for learning new new things in programming that that's also where i've used it the most is for example working with databases you have to use this language called sql and i'm definitely not an expert at that and so you could give it to the chat gpt and be like I have this table with these columns. Uh, how could I find this information I'm looking for? And it'll give you the the command that you could use to query a database to get the, the right information. Hmm. So it's been super helpful for learning as well as efficiency and speed encoding. And sometimes I don't remember the syntax or something and it'll just pull it up quickly. So it's, it's been a huge time saver um in terms of that but in five and ten years it's tough to know like 
which which applications we're going to have for AI that we haven't even thought of yet. Mm -hmm. But it's also possible that we've reached a point already where it's like it might not even be that useful in some areas where mm. we're we're, expo ex we're expecting this massive explosion where it might also not be to the extent that we expect hmm. like for example the the speed of computer chips like we're the transistors which is what holds a one or a zero are getting so small like they're on the atomic scale that's <laughs> so crazy that they, they literally can't just they can't cram anymore <laughs> on a chip <laughs> so it's like we're we're definitely reaching the limits of like how fast our chips can go at least with our current technology and it's even though AI has been a, a very big revolution in the last couple of years, and I'm sure it'll continue. I mean, we're going to continue to innovate on this like like none other, but it's really hard to tell where it's going to end up. It probably depends also on how quantum computing develops. Yeah. Um, so quantum computing is good for certain applications and not good at others. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's not it's not like quantum computing is just better than the commuting computing we have hmm. it's it has a very specific use case um which obviously if we get it as that improves it'll it'll be great um but also hard to tell what impact that'll have mm -hmm. um yeah I, i'm curious about i almost feel like you've probably interacted with ai more than i have um, based on, you know, your, your teaching and how quickly chat GPT can just pull out essays. <laughs> out of, yeah. And wh where do you see that going and how's that? Yeah, been? it's, it's interesting. I, I, I tend to think of AI and chat GPT in sort of three containers. One is as a tool. One is I'm curious what impact it will have in the arts which I suppose partially could be how it can be used as a tool, but also can it actually create a novel that is this, the same as compelling in the same way to us as a, a novel written by another human or a song. Um, and then the other one is of course, is it something that could become conscious and, and sentient at some point, but mm -hmm. sticking to the tool uh, container and in the ways in which I see that in my job, I mean, it's been pretty mind blowing. It's been out for, I mean, functionally speaking, I've seen it at, at my school probably since last spring, maybe, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe around this time last year was when I first started to hear whisperings of it. And, uh, it is pretty incredible, uh, how well it can do now at the same time it, it is limited um in, in several ways so uh, as far as in ways which i've used it i use it a lot of times to help me come up with prompts or to help me uh to help expedite researching something uh so for example say we're reading the odyssey right now and uh i want to have a prompt about uh telemachus Odysseus's son in the beginning of the Odyssey, uh, I'll just 
tell ChatGPT, I want to write a prompt for a paragraph on how Telemachus develops in the first four chapters of the Odyssey. And then it'll pop something out, and then I'll either take that and edit it a little bit, or it won't quite be right. And so I'll be like, well, that's that's a good start, but let's uh, explore this part of that more. And so sometimes mm-hmm. it's it's working together with it. Sometimes it's just taking the first thing and editing it. But that expedites the process so yeah. much. It's really mm-hmm. incredible. Uh, now, of course, the other aspect of that is students using it. And right. I think there are times if a student is uh, smart enough, I think you can use ChatGPT in a way that is difficult to detect because you can have it use certain tones, you can have it write in certain styles. Right. And, and so that can be tricky. But there's a lot of times, the times I've caught students using it is when it's clearly just they type, they put the prompt into ChatGPT. Just copy pasted. Yeah. I actually have a student who I, I uh, just, I well, he's not admitting to it, but I, uh, I'm bringing him to the honor council because uh, I was reading his paragraph and I was like, okay, this is for one thing, a bit robotic. It's too systematic and too broad in the way it's responding to the prompt is too sort of, you know, paste and plug. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then I went to an AI detector, which they're not, they're not particularly um, like it, it's hard to know how accurate they are, but it said 97% probability. And so I was like, okay, that's pretty good. So then I, I went to chat GPT and plugged in my prompt. Did you write this? <laughs> <laughs> I No, I plugged in the prompt and I was like, can you write a paragraph responding to this prompt? And it was almost the exact same thing. Oh yeah. So, um, so yeah, students are using it. And now I think, you know, <sighs> I, I don't know where we go from here because this is going to be part of our lives. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a calculator in the world of math. <laughs> it, right. Exactly. And students are already right. using Grammarly and already using mm-hmm. spell check and things like that. Um, and so I'm curious to see how we continue to uh, like develop our relationship to this technology, because I think, and this is what we're talking about this at my school. And this is my personal feelings is that, it's important to teach students how to think and how to analyze problems on their own. That's a really valuable skill that I I don't think that's ever going to go away. Um, at the same time, the days of having to know how to write a work email perhaps are quickly going into the past. Yeah. Um, and perhaps even create a presentation for work. And so I I think that going forward, I don't think we're quite there yet, but I think we're reaching this point, is teaching students how to use AI effectively. Mm -hmm. Because I think in the future, it's not going to, you know, if someone's using AI to create a a presentation, it's how well are you doing that? How well are you uh, adding specificity to that presentation and adding detail and putting in your own voice and vision? Um, so actually I've been, I just, I have a research assessment or assignment for my students and I told them they could use chat GPT or any other AI, um, to help them with the research and to help them help guide them on that process. I said they couldn't Mm -hmm. cite chat GPT. And I gave this example of how 
I mean, it lies to you all the time. Yeah. It's so confident about <laughs> it's it. So too. It's so confident. Like... <laughs> yeah. I had this, I was trying to find a quote in Moby Dick. Uh, I didn't know what the quote was. I just want to quote about something. And so I was like, I went to ChatGPT and I was like, is there any quote like this in, in Moby Dick? And it was like, there is. And it gave me like a list of similar quotes. And I found one. I was like, oh, this one's great. So I went to the Gutenberg website where they have all these uh, books that are in the public domain. And so they have like Moby Dick, the entire text. And I did copy or command find and I pasted in the quote and it didn't show up. It's just not even a quote. Not even there. So I went back to ChatGPT <laughs> and I, I I was like, that wasn't in Moby Dick. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry. It was in this other book. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I went again and did it. And it wasn't there. And I went back to ChatGPT <laughs> and I was like, uh, it's not in that either. It said, oh, I'm sorry. You shouldn't trust everything you, you find on the web. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if you just lied to people's faces. Like that right. <laughs> no, you just shouldn't trust uh, people. Right. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've had a similar experience. Like at the beginning, I heard from some people. It's like, yeah, you can just like copy your code in and it'll fix it. So I tried a couple of times and it's just like, okay, what's wrong with this code? <laughs> and then it's just like so confident. Like, oh yeah, on this line, like you did this when you should have done this and this is how you fix it. And it's like not even. Right. It's it's not the problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. So, it, it, yeah, we have to cultivate that critical thinking mm -hmm. of, because I view it, well, I mean, it is just another, it is a tool. Right. And tools can be used well and not well. Mm -hmm. And I feel like more and more as we go into the future, it can be used Tool, these tools and technology like YouTube can be used for like just an insane amount of productivity. Right. Like you can learn anything you want. Mm -hmm. And with AI, you can generate these work emails that would have taken you 15 minutes and now you can do it in one minute. Mm -hmm. And it just saves you so much time. But at the same time, it can just, it can breed laziness. Right. By, accepting whatever it says, not really, it's like, oh, I'll just have ChatGPT do it and I'm not even gonna, gonna try to learn because it can just do it for me. Why would I have to learn? Right, yeah, yeah, that's, that makes me think of this, this, I can't remember if we've talked about it in a previous episode, I don't think we have, but, so it kind of all goes back to this quote that I really like by, I think it's Simone Vale which is uh, attention taken to its highest degree is the same thing as prayer. Mm. And I, that really resonates with me. I, I think it's, it's sort of also meditation, right? When you're meditating, you're, you're essentially focusing your attention on either your breath or, you know, on, on various things. Um, right. And so to me, one of like the superpowers we have as humans is our ability to focus. And I think being in the moment, being in, in that flow state is a sort of hyper attention. You're so focused yeah. on what you're, you're doing. Um, and I think that a lot of times the danger with technology is that it's, it can remove that attention or can deaden that attention. Um, Absolutely. And so I think that 
I don't think that's like necessarily inherent in technology. I think it's just our relationship to, te- to technology. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, technology is, it doesn't care either way. It's just what it is. Right. And so I think that it's probably an important way of framing this conversation and our, our conversation about technology and AI as a culture and as a society is to, to think about how can we use this to add to our attention or to increase our attention or to, you know, how can we use it in an intentional way that, Mm -hmm. um, improves our experience instead of deadens our experience. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's going to be the key moving forward. And some people are, and some people aren't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I could see it, um, you know, widening, widening the gap between people and their productivity. Yeah. And I wonder how much of the discontent we see in society is due in some ways to this fragmenting of our attention and this removal of, of agency in some ways. And, and I'm not sure what role that plays, but if, if you take if you say that that quote, if there's some truth to that quote, and then you also say that technology, when it's not used correctly, can take attention away from you, then you could make the jump to saying that essentially technology is removing our ability to pray or to meditate or to be present right. and to be in the moment Yeah, as a culture. I, I think... I think it is, or it's the temptation. Mm-hmm. Like I, it's like I, I got up, I went into the elevator to go in my apartment for five or like for 10 seconds. And I'm already like pulling up my phone and looking at videos. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, I, I have literally 10 seconds to look at a video. <laughs> <laughs> I know I do the same thing without even thinking about it. And I like, as soon as I, finished watching the videos like and, and it got out of the elevators so is like what am i doing <laughs> i i already I, I already couldn't even tell you what the video was like yeah it's like walking home or to school which is like a five minute walk at most a lot of times like the second i step out of my door i like flip on my phone and i like i'm watching a video or listening to a video or a podcast yeah. and and i think that that's not necessarily a bad thing because again, it comes down to productivity. It's like I get to take in more information and then synthesize that information, which is an extremely pleasurable and interesting process. Right. Uh, so it allows you to maximize that experience, but it's so easy to not use it in that way. Yeah, it depends on the content that you're right. That's you're true. Adjusting, I think. Mm-hmm. Um. So have you, have you used AI in your own poetry? I've experimented with it. Um, I have not used it too much. So a couple things I've done when, when it first came out and I haven't tried recently, I wanted to see how well it could write poetry. And so I, I tried to have it write poetry and then I tried to have it write 
various things. For example, I, I, I asked it to write uh, advertising uh, advertisements for cleaning products in the voice of James Joyce. And it it didn't do very well. It was um, I could see that it was trying. I could see the very mm-hmm. sort of superficial similarities between its style, its stylistic decisions, and James Joyce's writing. Um, I'm sure that that will continue to improve. I right. think that the, the the way that I've used it most is for research. Um. I did actually uh, when I was teaching a creative writing co-curricular uh, in the in the fall. One day during class, my students and I were writing a story together, and at one point we put the story in to ChatGPT. It was probably we probably had like a page, and then we asked what would happen next, and mm-hmm. it actually came up with some pretty good ideas. That was it was like it followed the tone and the sort of whimsy of the story that we had written and it added to it in in an interesting nice. way. So I think that like the reason I haven't used it yet one is my current project I don't think I just haven't felt that there's a, a specific use outside of research. I have plans for future projects that I I would like to use AI in this, uh, I would, I would like to sort of have a collaboration with AI and we've actually talked about this. I would like to, um, I mean, the dream would be to create some sort of AI system or chatbot mm-hmm. that would be able to, uh, write sentences and, and, and sort of interact with me. They already have some things out there that are like that. Um, but I think the process of actually creating that would be would be really interesting. Um, but I think, yeah, the reason I haven't really yet, apart from it not fitting with the project, is that the times that I have tried to do it haven't felt particularly satisfying. I haven't been able to achieve that sort of experience of wonder that signals mm-hmm. the arrival of inspiration. Uh I haven't really been able to get into that, like, oh, this is really interesting. Like, let's let's go over here. And I haven't I haven't really gotten into that state with it ever. And so I just haven't. Right. Um, but I I think that it can be an incredible tool. And I think that the possibilities for it in the creative area are extensive. Yeah. What about you with music? I haven't used it at all with music, actually. Um I've heard that there's some some AIs that can make music and I mean I've heard some like AI generated music that uses strings and an orchestra and it sounds beautiful. Um and that kind of leads me to something else I wanted to talk about which is as AI improves so say like 10 years from now or 50 years from now AI just can make amazing poetry. What are your thoughts on 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 AI making poetry and I mean my thought uh since I first considered this question was which was probably last year um is that's great. I I would love yeah. for there to be more amazing poetry out there no matter who produces it. 
I think that the fear, of course, is that there's people who are like, well, what does that mean about humanity? What does it say about our humanness right. and our ability to make art? Also, what? how am I supposed to support myself as an artist if AI can do this? And I mean, I think right. that those are all interesting questions, particularly what does it say about our, hum- our humanness? Uh, mm-hmm. But to me, I'll still be writing. And it's just mm-hmm. another thing that I can engage with, another... Uh, source that I can draw inspiration from. And right. it, and so I, I don't see necessarily how that impacts my experience as a writer. And, and, and in regards to what it says to our humanness, I mean, everything that AI produces is a reflection of us anyway. Yeah. So it's sort of, a, I would say, a representation. It is human. <laughs> it is human. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a representation of us. And it's... Uh, so, I don't know. I know... People are are deeply concerned about that, and I, I just don't really share those concerns. Now, yeah. I I have a, a real question as to whether or not it will be able to produce work with that depth of feeling that I find from, say, Anna Karenina or Ulysses uh, or these other great works. I'm not ruling it right. out of the question. I just have not encountered it yet. Now, I know you've said that you've seen images that have struck you in the way that human-made images have. So uh, probably a lot of this comes down to subjective experience. Yeah, like I uh, I released a single for uh, one project, Arch Narcissist, and I used an AI-generated image, and I thought it was perfect. I loved it, and... Um, so it, uh, yeah, it wasn't even, it was an easy decision to use it. Um, yeah, when I, when I think about, so it's, I, I could see the argument, uh, say AI gets so good at painting, like why, why would we even paint anymore? That could be a possible counter argument, but I, I think of, uh, so we're both chess, uh, aficionados. And so a chess AI beat the best player in the world, uh, Gary Kasparov, 20 years ago in chess. And chess nowadays is like the strongest it's ever been by a long shot. Mm-hmm. And even though they, they have AI tournaments where chess bots play each other, but no one really cares. Like humans, I feel like humans like to see other things that humans have made. Right. And sure maybe a chess, uh, a computer can play chess way better than like the best humans in the world are like little children playing chess against the best chess computers. Mm-hmm. But it's like, we, we don't care. I mean, the chess, if anything, the, the best chess players and everyone has have used these engines to improve their game even more. And it's changed the game. Right. Yeah. But, but we still admire the humanness uh, of when he, people make mistakes and it that whole aspect. Yeah, I mean my and my initial reaction to if you if you stop painting because AI can paint so well, <laughs> then you just shouldn't yeah. even be painting in the first place. Yeah. You're not really a painter is what I would say. You're not really a writer or a musician if you're if you would stop just for that. Because to me, to be a writer or a painter or a musician, it just comes from inside of you. Right. You know, it's a th- self-exploration. Th- exactly. And there might be external circumstances that make that 
self-exploration more intriguing or more pleasurable, perhaps having an audience. Uh, but that's not why you're doing it. Yeah. Um, and then also, I think that point about the imperfections and the humanness of it is another reason why I'm not sure if AI will, you know, where, where the whole, like where this is going to end in AI's ability. And, and, and also because I just don't, so a couple things, one is, um, I would be curious to read a novel that I didn't know AI wrote. Or yeah. say in 10 years, say when it advances to the level that the linguistics can be as as dense and as pleasurable as, as you know, say Ulysses or something like that. And how that would impact my experience. Because I do think a lot of, of my impressions of what I read are tied to the fact that like a human wrote this. And what was that like? Like, I, I think part of my interest when I read whoever is... Like, what was the experience of sitting down and writing that line? Like, I imagine the feeling of it mm. and and that wow. I want to try to have that feeling. And so you don't have that with AI, although if AI somehow becomes sentient, I mean, maybe the conversation changes, but you wonder yeah. how much of like, like a lot of art is created from... I mean, all of art is created from the experiences of life, and a lot of art is created from the sort of friction we have with our external experiences of life. Uh, right. And and AI right now doesn't have those frictions, of course. And so I'm just curious to see all that pans out. Yeah, that's super interesting about how you're experiencing it's like you're trying to, it adds to your experience imagining what they must have felt like. Right. Um, even though it, it's like just, you know, it's just the words on the page. Yeah. Like I imagine if you didn't know it, it was a, if. if so d what happens when you, you read a new author that you know nothing about? Does that change things or? Well, it, a lot of times, uh, so what happens is I'll, if I really like it, I'll start researching that author. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't change the initial experience because the initial experience right. is like, I'm just moved by the words and the ideas. And then as I start to learn about the author, I might be moved to another degree. It's like this with music too. Right. You're listening to like a solo and imagining mm -hmm. what it felt like to play that solo. Hmm. it's like i must have i've never really thought about that hmm. like, i i feel like i must have kind of internalized that mm -hmm. based on just how much i like music um but yeah that's that's interesting but i think i would if i didn't know that ai had written something i would still imagine that right so that gets, I think you were getting at that point too with your question is like. Exactly. And so, yeah. And, and obviously it's just an, it's an, a total imagination of what right. that experience was, was like for the, the artist. It, it doesn't necessarily need to, it probably wasn't like how I imagine because right. you imagine them sitting there t 
typing and just like this beam of light, just like <laughs> coming down from the heavens upon them. And, you know, them like screaming in ecstasy. <laughs> no, not that dramatic, but you imagine this, I imagine like this, this deep feeling that they had this, right. Cause I think that like the best moments of writing for me, at least are these moments that are similar to like spiritual experiences of like oneness or wholeness. There's these moments where it feels like everything makes sense and you feel your connection to the world and you feel like in harmony with existence. But then you don't know if what you wrote in that moment uh, carries that same of weight, carries that same weight for someone else. And that totally. you can never really know. People can tell you, and and to a degree, you can get a sense of of what they experience, but you just don't ever know. But you know what no. someone else's words create in you. Right. Yeah, or like when someone tells you, oh, this is my favorite part of the song that you wrote. And I was like, uh, I did not like that part at all, but, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but thanks. <laughs> right. Or it's like, you know, John Frusciante talked about this in an interview with Rick Rubin like last year where he said that there's times where he feels just totally in it when he's playing on stage. And then there's times where the whole show, he feels like he's struggling through it. He like maybe has moments where he gets there, but it's like a, a real struggle. And he says that like, there are times after those shows where people who go to a lot of shows will say that was one of my favorite performances of yours. And he wasn't having that experience at all. Right. So it's all just, you know, you can't make sense of any of it. <laughs> no, it's just so also personal. Right. Yeah. Um, so, Where's AI in a thousand years? <laughs> well, I think there's a chance that that it will be what is left of us. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know that for sure. I'm not as as I don't have such a grim image of the future as as a lot of people do. But I think that mm -hmm. I think that AI could certainly like be a civilization mm. and could be sort of uh, the next step in evolution. I, I, I right. think that like, and we've talked about this, like one way mm. of viewing AI is the next step of evolution. And just like yeah. how we arose out of monkeys and shrew and fish, AI is just emerging out of us. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I definitely think that that could be a possibility. I mean, at least we would leave something. Yeah, yeah. It'd be better than just us dying out completely. But, um, I mean, it has a huge advantage that it's not biological and that it can just survive. I mean, assuming it knows how to repair itself because you know, computer parts break too. But Right, and the whole electricity and, and battery thing you have to... Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think I, I'm hopeful that it'll be, will work alongside AI, like that humans will always kind of be in, in charge, so to speak. And that AI will just be a, an, an amazing, amazing tool that we use to, to create utopia. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, at the same time, it'll mm. be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that's, it's, it's impossible to know, but I think, 
I mean, the possibilities are really exciting to think about. Yeah. Well, and also if we're able to download our brains into uh, some kind of uh, memory and live in a machine, what that would look like if, I mean, I'm trying to live as long as possible for that to be a possibility in my right. lifetime. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, you know, it's, I, I bring this up sometimes at lunch with colleagues and it's incredible to me the number of people who say they would not do that. Yeah. I mean, so I had this, this fun game that I think it was kind of, it, it became this sort of like sociological experiment because I, I found it very interesting how, how split it was 50, 50. But the question I asked people was if you could live for 500 years or just your normal lifespan, which would you pick? Mm-hmm. And about 50% of people picked their normal lifespan. One person said they would rather live for only five more minutes. <laughs> In 500 years. Yeah. Mm. And, and for me, it's not even a question. Yeah, I mean, I suppose, I guess it it depends on what what happens in those 500 years. Like 10 years from now, there's just a nuclear explosion. Right. I mean, like, that, that that's come up in conversations, of course, but yeah. I would take my chance. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. I'm optimistic. And, and certainly if it was about being uploaded into a computer, I would. Yeah, it, it would enter one of those questions whether it's really you in the computer or is it just a, a copy that's not living. Right, yeah. I mean, I think the thing, the only thing that would matter to me is if it feels like me. I wonder that just, I wonder if we'll, I could see this happening soon with an AI that just listens listens to you constantly. Like, say you have your phone just recording and it just gets to know how you how you act and how you speak so well mm-hmm. that it could essentially replace you in certain situations. Yeah. And that other people might not even know. That's true. I could, yeah. And then that also makes you think of like when someone, like when a loved one passes away, right. You could still have conversations with them. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's definitely happening relatively soon. I think. And then, of course, I mean, it, it. you just wonder, like, what that'll, like, what that example. I think, yeah, if, if you could be at a work meeting and not actually have to be there, and then you just get, like, a transcript, uh, that would be incredible. But I wonder, like, having conversations with someone who was gone, I wonder if, 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 you, if, I, if I'd be actually interested in that, because you know it's not them. Maybe. What if you didn't know? How would you not know? <laughs> <laughs> well, if they're like on, uh, if it's not in person, if it's over the phone or possibly even video eventually. But I mean, if they're dead. <laughs> oh, if they're dead. Yeah. I mean, if they're dead, uh, then, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if I would, I don't know if I would like it. I don't think I would. Yeah, I know. Because even with the chatbots that I've worked with, like I had a friend that made a really uh, interactive bot that you can talk to all your problems and it'll, you know, give advice. And it's just not 
satisfying at all for me. I don't know if that's going to change as they improve or not. I kind of feel like it's not. Like I, I just know it's not a human, and I don't really don't really care that much what it has to say. Right. Yeah. Um, I know that's kind of what I wonder. And that goes back to the whole art thing, right? It's, it's hard to know, like the fact that we know it is an AI, but this also might change as AI changes. And if, if it becomes sentient in some way, or if it becomes like so complex that we just can't know for sure. Cause we don't even of course know our own consciousnesses. We don't know like what, how any of that really works. Um, and if at some point we end up giving it a body of some sort and we see it in the world, that might change our experience of it too. And then maybe like, I would be curious about an AI's experience. And then when I'm reading a novel by it, it wouldn't be like this thing that was just copying humans. It would be something that was personal to it. I think that's what we want, right? We want it to be personal. Right. I don't think I can ever get there. I think I'm going to be a a robot racist. (laughs) Wow. I'm so (laughs) surprised because I would think that you would get there before most people. No, I just see it as a, like as a machine and as a tool and not, not a person. I think, I mean, to clarify my position, I'm not sure it could get there, but given. I think it it, will for some people. For some people, but for me, I'm saying it would have to cross several boundaries that I'm not convinced it'll be able to cross. Mm -hmm. It's like, I hope I'm proven wrong. But. Yeah, I'm just I'm very fascinated by the whole thing. I'm 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 really interested to see how it all plays out. 